Welcome to the Starsology Astrology Podcast. I'm your host, Arwen O'Neill, and today I am here with my friend, Katya. Hello. Thanks for having me, Arwen. Thanks for coming. We're going to be talking today about a transit that's coming up on February 5th, 2024, and this is going to be Venus squaring Chiron. And we have talked about Chiron once in the past. We did an entire episode about Chiron and Aries because when Chiron moves through the Zodiac, it's got an elliptical orbit and it spends a couple of years in each sign at least. So it's been in Aries for a while and it will be until 2026. So it's quite a long transit. But right now it is going to be squaring Venus and Venus will be at 16 degrees Capricorn while Chiron is at 16 degrees Aries. So this is a, a square in the cardinal signs. And we all pretty much know what Venus means. Mm-hmm. It's the sign of love. It's the goddess of love. It's it's about relationships. It's about beauty. It's about art. It's also about money. But what fewer people know is what Chiron is. And we did that whole episode on Chiron Aries. So I highly recommend if you're interested in Chiron to go listen to that. Mm-hmm. It's a transit that happens uh, to everyone. It's the Chiron return. And we talked about that because I'm going to be having mine This year, it's a thing that happens when you're 50, just, you know, that's what happens. Chiron comes back to the position it was in your natal chart, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people will be experiencing that, so it's a great episode to listen to, and we do give a big overview of what Chiron means. But I'll just give a little bit of a description right now. It's Mm -hmm. basically, it was discovered in 1977, and it is a a minor planet. We're going to refer to it as a planet just for simplicity's sake here. Mythologically, what it means in your horoscope is, or in your in your chart, is it's the wounded healer. So in, in mythology, Chiron was a, a centaur, and he was, you know, obviously half man, half horse. And he was a healer, brewed like healing potions and stuff mm. like that. So he was able to heal everyone but himself, which Aww. is the, I know, that's the that's the wounded healer thing. The, the meaning of it in astrology is that Wherever you have psychological wounds or or you've been through trauma or you've been through difficulties in your life, that is where you can become stronger and you can help others. So it's it's something that they they talk about in like Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever. Mm. You wouldn't have just someone who's never had a drink in their life be the, the leader of a group of, mm. of people trying to stop their addictions and, and help them. You'd have someone who's been through it yeah. and then can say, okay, this is, this is what you're going through. I understand. I can mm. help you. Like nothing you say will shock me, that kind of thing. Yeah. But that's that's something that we see in a lot of different areas of life. Who has started their own business and then failed and then started up a new business can you know be a really good mentor to people who are just starting out in business. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly in relationships, you wouldn't necessarily want to have relationship counselor who had just been married to their childhood sweetheart all, mm-hmm. all their lives and never had any ups and downs in their marriage. Or maybe you would, I don't know. But yeah, uh, but yeah, you'd want to have. Somebody who's gone through rough patches and and really can bring uh, a depth of history to uh, yeah. to helping others in mm-hmm. that field. Mm-hmm. So Chiron in the horoscope. This is I'm I'm reading a, a little passage here from Melanie Reinhardt's book Chiron and the Healing Journey. And of course, Chiron is very recently discovered. So this is a great uh, author in the 80s and 90s. And this book is pretty old, but it's one of the it's one of the sort of pivotal works about Chiron. Mm -hmm. And she says in the in the horoscope, it shows where you've conducted a perilous search. And this is likely to occur in an intense way. Often Chiron's house position and sign represent an area of life that's initially blocked, wounded or not functioning properly. And you can use this to create unique and individual contributions. The pain and frustration you experience 
in your life may force you to to undergo a healing journey. These gifts are, are something that you can then give to other people and mm. help them in ways that uh, that you wouldn't have otherwise unless you had gone through those difficulties. Okay. Yeah. So that's Chiron. So Chiron squaring Venus. This is obviously not going to be like a happy, lovely, fluffy sort of aspect. <laughs> um, if it was, that would be like the trine, maybe. And, and even so, like Chiron is not a happy, fluffy planet. It's it's not like Jupiter where, you know, it expands everything. It, it really does kind of create an awareness of pain. And when it when it squares Venus, we know that there's going to be some psychological wounding, some, you know, relationship issues and some insecurity and uh, and pain that uh, that will come up. Basically, if you have uh, Venus square Chiron, this can create a lot of inner tension. Uh, this can be really painful and emotionally difficult for people. Um, you may feel in this uh, in this time that you are being bullied or you're being taken advantage of or sabotaged mm-hmm. in a relationship. You may feel as if you want to help people, but they just lash out at you. Oh. You can feeling criticized or, or sort of put upon. And there's a lot of self-criticism that can come up with this yeah. transit. And also a lot of overstepping of boundaries, because one of the things with Venus square Chiron is that you want to help people. You want to heal them and you want to sort of take them under your wing and, and, you know, fix them. Yeah. And with the square, it's not necessarily going to be effective. You're going to be putting all this energy forward or you're going to be attracted to people who don't want to be helped you oh. know? or maybe they're yeah. going to drag you down with them. Yeah. So, Oh, it sounds so challenging, but what brings me comfort is knowing that even though old wounds are going to be brought to the surface or brought to light, they're, there to be healed yeah and that brings me comfort i'm like i know it's uncomfortable right yeah. now but it's it's uh, for for a purpose and yeah that's for healing and that it is a journey exactly yeah. and that's the thing with scars right or or any kind of wounds like even yeah. in even the physical realm it they don't last forever yeah like you don't just end up with you know if you if you if you cut your arm it's not going to just continue to bleed and, and mm-hmm. be, you know, be an open wound forever. It's going to gradually the fibers and, and the, the, the flesh will knit together. Yeah. And that little section of yourself will be stronger yeah. in, in a way. The tissues will be tougher kind of. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah. And that's the same with, uh, with the psyche. Yeah. <laughs> and is this um, specifically about relationships, like romantic, platonic, with yourself? Is like Venus tends to be about romantic relationships, but I think it's also about your relationship with others in your own mind. Mm-hmm. So how you present yourself in a relationship, whether it's a, a romantic relationship or any kind of relationship where you where you feel like you're putting yourself on you know in a vulnerable position Mm -hmm. so it could be friendships it could be even family relationships but Mm -hmm. typically venus is about um, romantic relationships Mm -hmm. and that is also where we tend to make ourselves most vulnerable i think in uh in friendships we we don't usually just have one friend but uh, often that that is the case and then you you do obviously put yourself into a more vulnerable spot where you can become open to all the all the same types of of damage that you would see with a romantic relationship Mm -hmm. And where does that fear of rejection or betrayal from previous hurts, like where does that fit in? Yeah. Because there there seems to be a bit of that duality of I want to help and I want to heal and I want to bring all this stuff up to the yeah. surface and, uh, and like tackle them, process them, finally let go of them. But where does that fear live? Like yeah. will it stop us? Well, I mean – I think it doesn't stop people who have this natal in their in their natal chart, mm-hmm. and that is that is a really good segue because people with this aspect in their natal chart 
they it, it does create a lot of tension within their personal relationships. They may be continually attracted to people who are bad for them or emotionally damaged or emotionally unavailable or who just really hurt their self-esteem in a number of ways. But that that can't happen unless you make yourself vulnerable. So these yeah. people are are not only vulnerable to that kind of insecurity, but they they seek it out in a way. Like they seek out relationships where they will be able to help someone or mm. you know where they are needed. Mm-hmm. And that can become a codependent thing. You can be very insecure and therefore you can need to feel needed. Yeah. That's something that happens with this. These people and it's not just about relationships, although, you know, it it, it can be. The pain that that exists within themselves can just be about their self-esteem about their extreme sensitivity, who likes them, who doesn't like them. Are they attractive? You can see a lot of obsession with appearance, with Mm -hmm. addiction to plastic surgery, Mm -hmm. uh, body dysmorphic disorder, eating disorders, the the pain of not being liked or accepted or revered or adored or appreciated can really be an issue with these people. Mm -hmm. Um, And overcoming that sensitivity in order to to be open to relationships is a big thing mm-hmm. because sometimes, especially, I, I hate to say, but you know, we're both women. We know mm-hmm. um, for women, it can be a real barrier of like not feeling like you're <laughs> attractive enough to be yourself in a relationship. So there's this barrier. It's not just about like the clothes and the makeup, but that mm-hmm. is a, actually that can be a physical barrier yeah. of like you can't get close to someone because like oh don't you know don't mess my hair up or yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. I, yeah for I, me it's lipstick. Right. I, I love wearing too. lipstick, but I love lipstick. kissing too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, that's uh, that's a real. I mean, that's an interesting thing. That's Venus <laughs> Square Chiron. It's the yeah. square. Those two things that will never be able to blend perfectly. You can never have perfect lipstick and yeah. enjoy kissing. <laughs> Although I do have yeah. this great lipstick. It's uh, oh. Maybelline. Does it smear off? It doesn't. It's ridiculous. Yeah, oh. Maybelline lip ink, and I'm just going to plug wow. that because I've been okay. I've been obsessed with this brand. Not even mm-hmm. the, I mean, you know, Maybelline's been yeah, around yeah. forever, but this lip ink stuff, I put it on in the morning and I literally do not reapply it all wow. day. It's <gasps> ridiculous. And, you know, kissing, eating, drinking, whatever. What's your favorite color? What do you I like? I mean, it, I think it's called Rebel, which is hilarious. Oh, I love this. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, a uh, little... That's but not yeah, that's well, not an ad, yeah. by the way. We're yeah. not we're not monetized. Maybelline, Although, if you want to sponsor us, please, please do. Exactly, I am your biggest fan. But, but yeah, so insecurity, generally itself, speaking, image, attractiveness, lovability. So this yeah. is where potentially shadow work can help with absolutely feeling uh, more confident within yourself. Absolutely, yeah. it's a it's a cliche to say that you really need to be comfortable with yourself before you can yeah. give yourself completely to somebody else yeah. or before you can help someone else and in, you know in an ideal world yeah sure we would all work on ourselves yeah. and become perfectly confident and you know like secure but mm-hmm. I think our relationships do help us to develop those things mm-hmm. and being in the right relationship can make you more confident mm-hmm. or or being alone and figuring yourself out can make you better in a relationship yeah. it's, it doesn't always work the same way for for yeah. everyone but this is a good time to become aware of where you're insecure, where you're overly sensitive, where you maybe let jealousy or insecurity harm your relationships or harm your self-esteem. Or where you're codependent and it's becoming toxic. Absolutely. I recently read a uh, book called Codependent No More um, by Melody Beattie. And I couldn't believe how much I was experiencing codependency and I didn't know it was happening. Yeah. And in my mind, 
I was thinking, oh, all the times that I, you know, did this for other people, that I was ahead and I was very organized and I was taking care and I, and I thought like, I'm doing all the right things, but I'm at my expense. You know, I was feeling tired, burning, you know, and whoever was benefiting from all my help, you know, they, they were happy to be helped, and but they were also okay not being helped. <laughs> right. But I thought it was my duty to help them. Yeah. And, but that was, you know, starting to empty out my cup. And uh, I didn't know that that was called codependency. And so that was pretty eye-opening. Yeah. Uh, you just kind of start to resent people without them realizing that you're totally. <laughs> resenting them. Absolutely. That, and yeah. that's that's a really wonderful illustration of this exactly yeah. because you want to be aware of when you're you know either becoming overly passive in a relationship mm-hmm. or becoming overly controlling in in a way that it's not about controlling the other person it's about controlling them through your passivity or through yeah. your service mm-hmm. and that's something that you know can become uh, really dysfunctional and mm-hmm. uh, and addictive as well yeah so this uh, this aspect is really about like addiction in relationships as well and yeah. and becoming sort of addicted to being needed or or feeling like you're being put upon, but maybe it's you who is actually putting yourself in that situation yeah, and yeah. it's not the other person using you it's actually you are yeah yeah oh my gosh as soon as I saw uh, or I, I even had that realization that they're not asking me for anything. Yeah, I'm imposing my help on them, and when it's not received in the way that I want it to yeah. be, it's hurtful to me. Yeah, but I'm essentially hurting my own feelings. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I guess uh, that's when I learned autonomy, and yeah, uh, that yeah, a pattern that I didn't realize I even created for myself. Exactly. But it's it's good to reflect. Absolutely. Like. Yeah. It's super, it's it's really important. Mm-hmm. And whether you have this aspect in your chart or not. There's a really interesting article I found about Venus Chiron aspects, but it's by a, a website called Astro Healer. And it talks about this aspect in particular. And it says, with this configuration, sensual experiences, our self-appreciation and our immediate needs may have been deeply conditioned by our understanding of the wounding process relating to the material world by our early caretakers. We may be constantly aware of how awkward it is to own anything. So this is about the money aspect of Venus, including your own body or your own needs. So that could be your mother or your father. And it says from a psychological point of view, a person with this aspect in their natal chart may experience profound empathy for one of their parents. They they sort of identify with them and this creates this sort of this feeling of deserving or appreciation that make them want to feel like the healer or they're the, mm. the savior in relationships oh. because they've over-identified with their caretaking parent in a way. It's uh, almost like a Freudian sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but it, it gives this example of someone who, uh, a woman who has an artistically inclined father who never had a chance to pursue his dream career. Mm-hmm. She may end up in her adult life being attracted to men who are creative but trapped in traditional jobs who can't express that creativity oh. and then they'll she'll support him and want to encourage him to do something creative and attempt to heal him but in a way she's trying to sort of heal this internalized vision of her father yeah, yeah. i mean you, that sort of resonates with us because i'm sure that we like that just seems like something that could happen you know yeah. like we, we just we've heard that story before absolutely bring awareness to like all these dysfunctional relationships that we kind of stumbled into and some of them could have been formed in childhood and we didn't even notice it could have been fairly subconscious right but this is a good opportunity to reprogram 
those relationships or those beliefs or those things that we're pretty stuck in, exactly. it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. And which isn't to say that you can never help somebody or yeah. encourage them. But if you become, if you find yourself continually in relationships where you're, you're sort of supporting somebody who's not helping themselves yeah. or, or maybe they're just dragging you down with them into, you know, this, this sort of dysfunctional and, and unsatisfied realm. Yeah. Um, maybe that is not about the person, but it's about you. So yeah, that is what it looks like in someone's chart. Mm-hmm. It's okay. So this is interesting too, because obviously Venus does um, also rule artistic pursuits and a lot of the pain that we've just discussed mm-hmm. can, you know, really suck if it's in your chart, but we can really be use, using this to create beautiful music, mm-hmm. uh, amazing art, wonderful literature, poetry. These people can be very sensitive to the opinions of others and go overboard in analyzing every detail of the relationship. But if they actually use that to, to create music or poetry or art or, or literature, then they can put that into the world and everyone yeah. can uh, benefit from it, oh. which, which we often do see. They can be attracted to the dark side. They can fall in love with toxic, dangerous people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely a dichotomy and you have to find the right balance of, of how much you're going to sort of submerge yourself yeah. with this relationship. And where does compromise fit into this? Because there's, it's one thing to, to project your own insecurities mm. onto somebody else, but you know, you don't want to compromise on stuff like that yeah. necessarily. Is, is this a difficult time to compromise or is this a, a slightly easier time because it helps soften the blow of healing this, these wounds? I would say it's definitely a more difficult time because it, it is, is the okay. square. If it was the yeah. trine or the sextile or even the conjunction, we would we would say it's just bringing awareness and, and maybe it can help you. I would think that someone who has maybe a Venus trine or sextile Chiron, mm-hmm. they might be a wonderful nurse or caregiver. Okay. They might be someone who really wants to nurture people yeah. and use their history of pain and their sensitivity and their ability to zero in on emotional trauma to help people. But with the square, it's always going to be a tension. It's always mm. going to be at cross purposes. It's not even like where the opposition or the co- conjunction can kind of blend the energies. Mm-hmm. With the square, it, they're always going to be sort of never quite meeting you know, oh, okay. it's not to say that these people can't can't be happy yeah. or can't find fulfillment in relationships and in art and in, in within themselves. Mm-hmm. But there's always going to be that tension. It's not mm-hmm. going to ever be just a flowing, easy thing where they kind of accomplish it and go, okay, cool. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it's always, always going to be a bit of a stressful aspect for yeah, them. Yeah, of course. And I guess this uh this is when you'll you'll find it difficult to let your own guard down, right. and you feel like you're uh, constantly, uh, you know, the, dealing with somebody else's right. guards being way up. Right. So, is this a better time then for a, a distance or for more uh, lighthearted interactions? Something yeah, that doesn't I require would... talking and too much depth of. I would say, yeah, <laughs> I would say back off for a few days. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Work on yourself. Don't get mm-hmm. into that in-depth excavation of the relationship yeah. on February 5th if you can avoid it. Okay. It, it's, it's interesting because I was just watching, you know, going to shout out like one of the top shows of the year. It's on Disney Plus. Uh, uh-huh. It's called The Bear. And it, it's about a guy who his um, his brother commits suicide and leaves the family restaurant to him. And mm. he's this famous chef and he moved, moves back to, to Chicago to be with his family and mm. uh, just moves into this absolutely chaotic restaurant where he 
be, be friends and uh, and sort of reengages with with family and and with this new homemade family at the mm. restaurant. And then you know the the two seasons are about him taking it from being just this little sandwich shop on the mm. you know like in south side of Chicago to like opening a fine dining restaurant and mm. and it really resonates with a lot of people in the restaurant industry. A lot of friends I have are in the hospitality industry, and some of them actually find the show like super traumatic and like hard yes. to watch. I, um. <laughs> I couldn't. I watched the first episode, yeah. and maybe that was like the the hook or yeah. or something. But I, it was so tense. It was it's so, so tense. stressful. There's a lot of yelling. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of there's so much activity. Yeah. There's an episode in the second season where they it, it's a flashback to a Christmas um, mm. dinner, and Jamie Lee Curtis is utterly brilliant as the mom but she's a force of nature and she really like resonates with this aspect to me this this venus square chiron this wounded healer and she is absolutely yeah she deserves like to win um an emmy or a golden globe or something for this one episode portrayal where she's just a terrifying force of nature and you can you just watch this episode and you're like okay i can see why everyone is like this it all makes sense because she's you know, she makes Norma Bates from from Bates Motel look like a perfectly good mother. Um, wow! <laughs> yeah. it's, oh my it's, gosh, it's crazy. Wow. But anyway, I uh, highly recommend the show The Bear, and it's yeah. on Disney Plus. But yeah, if you want to understand this aspect, there's psychological wounding, okay. feeling like you need to heal others before you heal yourself. Uh, all of that kind of okay. really comes up in that. Mm. Which brings us to our celebrity examples. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. All right, Angelina Jolie. Amazing. I know. Okay. Yeah. Leonard Cohen. Okay. Yeah. yeah. See that? Uh, Arthur Rimbaud, the, uh, the the poet. Sinead O'Connor, again. George Michael. Mm-hmm. Courtney Love, really interesting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Brand. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden. Stanley Kubrick. Judy Garland. Chris Cornell. Bill Murray. Leo Tolstoy. And Val Kilmer. Oh, okay. Yeah. What do you think of this list? Well, I mean, the first one, the, the one that really resonates for me. Courtney like, Love. Courtney Love, my <laughs> like, God. What, what, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I not to like go all like, you know, <laughs> go all 90s on you. But, yeah. Uh, I was like, history lesson. History. I was, Which is crazy to even say about the 90s. Because I'm like, that was like two years ago, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's how I feel too. But it just happens that I lived in Seattle at the time when Kurt mm. committed suicide. Wow. And I was actually at the vigil in at... Uh, Space Needle, like below the yeah. Space Needle, there was this big fountain, and it's like a little, it's like the Plaza of Nations in Vancouver. Yeah, I was one of the thousands of people wandering around in this like grief-filled haze of, yeah. of you know misery. I wasn't, I didn't get there in time to see Courtney Love talk to the crowd. It's been recorded, and and you can you can find it online and hear her just awful grief, tear-filled speech that she gave to the the masses who were sitting there. She read part of his suicide note. She she cursed him and told him that he was a coward and you know mm. an asshole for you know committing suicide. Yeah. And uh, she led the crowd in a cheer of of like you know asshole. But um, oh my God. yeah, but I mean it was. It, I'm glad, honestly, that I wasn't there because that kind of grief, that kind of like just open trauma, like yeah. of watching her like having just lost her husband within days yeah, and then just standing there, this talk about an open wound, like yeah. just standing there and, and crying in front of the world. Wow. Um, I would have been utterly traumatized, I think, by that. Yeah. It was sad enough as it was being a fan and, um, you know, being part of that generation. But yeah, that was that was intense. Yeah. So Courtney Love, uh, shout out. Yeah. 
and uh, and went on to make um, absolutely beautiful music. I really yeah. do appreciate her mm-hmm. talent, whatever anyone else may may, may think of <laughs> other aspects of her personality. She, mm-hmm. um, she definitely is a brilliant musician. And they were happy together in, yeah. in a way. I mean, you can't uh-huh. can't rewrite history and say that they didn't have like a really intense, in a way, beautiful relationship. And yeah. they produced uh, Francis, the uh, the beautiful daughter, and yeah. she's gone on to grow up and be amazing. So yeah, yeah. What, where do you think they'd be if things were different Gosh. and they were both still here? <laughs> yeah, that is an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, one <laughs> likes to think that there are examples of celebrities from the 90s kind of shed their addictions and and crawled back out of the void yeah. I mean, the remaining members of nirvana have gone on to you know be in the foo fighters and mm-hmm. you know to accept lifetime achievement awards and have other wonderful artists yeah. take the stage like like joan jett joining them on the stage mm-hmm. to, to accept their uh, their lifetime achievement award mm-hmm. and uh, that, that was amazing like talk about a confluence of my influences as yes. <laughs> growing up yeah so you know, like more good music. I would love to think yeah. that. There's a, a lot of like fallout from those, um, you know, epic bands from the 90s. A lot of, about half of them, you know, no longer exist and have sub- succumbed to addictions and yeah. trauma. But some of them have gone on to become really great mentors and continue to make music to this day. Yeah, one likes to think that. Yeah. I, I was listening to a podcast recently about emotions and big emotions, mm. and someone mentioned that grief and joy mm. are the same. Interesting. And I went down this rabbit hole <laughs> trying to figure out, like, is that really true? Like, I, I get that they're both big emotions, Intense, yeah. yeah, and they they're very similar in that how we express them, like how they're uh, how they look, yeah, um, like. There may be tears, there may right. be loss of appetite, or yeah. more ravenous appetite, or just like changes in our sleeping patterns and mm. whatnot. But still, there's something about grief being this intense lead- loss. C- cathartic. Of- yeah, it is cathartic. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it, I feel like if we didn't have it, it will express itself later yeah. at some point. Yeah. When you least expect it. Yeah. Because if you're going to keep suppressing it, it's going to... Uh, force you to experience it yeah. in a different way you might as well uh channel it a little bit more constructively yeah. if, if that at all possible right whereas joy i was like no joy is very much like present it's yeah. about like connection and and grief is very much yeah. the loss of that connection like because you'll never have it again but there's i don't know it, it must be an event diagram yeah of, like they're so different yeah but they share a few things that are quite similar and it's amazing that we could still talk about that yeah so many years later a couple of years later right? yeah 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 <laughs> uh so many years later and still have so much appreciation for for what those people created together totally. what they created apart and where they are now yeah some of them are. absolutely yeah. and it's interesting too because that kind of music like just the i'm thinking of smells like teen spirit oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, that's a really cathartic sort of and of course this is kurt cobain and not uh, courtney love yeah i could name some of her songs as well but just that losing yourself in a in a mosh pit of ecstatic rushing emotion and that that is kind of a the confluence of joy rage and and grief all in one so yeah this yeah. is the um this is the the meaning of catharsis and the importance of overcoming psychological wounding in order to let other people in and heal others and and, mm. and yourself. Well, through, as through he love once said, here we are now. Entertain, Entertain us. us. <laughs> Woo!
<laughs> That's a great way to wrap it up. <laughs> well, this has been excellent. Thank you so much for joining me again, Katya. Thank you so much, Arvind. It's always so fun. Definitely. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for getting this far through the episode. I just want to take a moment to tell you about the two main options of my astrology services. So the first one is coaching. If you are an aspiring astrologer, and by that I mean someone who's perhaps a hobbyist astrologer or someone who's learning astrology or a student, or you've got a few books and you've been doing it for a while, but perhaps you need a little bit of help to bring it all together, then maybe getting some astrological coaching from me would be the answer for you. The astrology coaching I offer is a one-hour session on Zoom, and it's tailored to answer your particular questions. For example, if you have issues with natal chart readings, we can go there. Or if you're having problems working with your forecasting, we can go there. Or even basic astrology stuff, or even getting yourself organized for your astrology business. The idea is that astrological coaching will answer your particular questions. It's tailored specifically to you and where you are in your astrological journey. And I'm happy to help you out with some guidance about how you can get going, what to focus on and what to dismiss. So that would be the astrological coaching for people trying to learn astrology. The second astrological service I offer is consultations. So this is for someone who perhaps doesn't know anything about astrology, but they just want to have their chart read or get their chart done. Call it what you will. So once more, this is a one hour consultation over Zoom. I will interpret your chart, tell you about the main features, tell you about where the energy is flowing and all the rest of what is entailed in a thorough natal chart interpretation. I can also add in some forecasting in there too, bearing in mind we only have one hour. So just in summary, I've got coaching for people who want to learn astrology and I've got uh, consultations for those who want to get an astrology reading done. I'm Alison Price from Starsology.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.